welcome to the Milk Bottle e-commerce show, brought to you by Milk Bottle Labs, Ireland's top-rated and officially accredited Shopify and Clavio e-commerce experts. Founder Keith Matthews interviews e-commerce professionals, app developers and entrepreneurs to share as much digital knowledge and e-commerce tips and tricks as possible. This podcast is kindly supported by our go-to e-commerce tools. Rewind.io, the leading backup solution for Shopify, BigCommerce, Trello and more. Let's just say it's the cheapest insurance policy you'll ever get for your Shopify store and all your valuable data. Simply go to rewind.io forward slash milk bottle to get your first month for free or go to Shopify application to supercharge in-store pickup and local delivery on your Shopify store is Zapiet. It's fully customizable and scalable from one location to thousands. Backed by outstanding customer support, it's no wonder Zapiet is trusted by over 10,000 plus stores across 150 countries. Now over to your host, Keith Matthews. Hey folks, welcome back. I am delighted to welcome Louise Stokes to the podcast today. Louise is the founder of Dublin-based Lulery Jewellery. Lulery operates across the Omnichannel on Shopify Pause and online and has built a reputation as a premier retailer of in-house design jewellery, emerging designers alongside some more established names. Louise established Lulery following her return from New York in 2007 and is now based just off one of Ireland's most popular locations, Grafton Street. This is Louise's second time on the podcast. We met last time in January 2020. So today we're going to discuss what has happened since January 2020 in the world of online and bricks and mortar retail. Louise, welcome. Thank you. Thanks for having me again. That's so weird that it was January 2020. Wow. It was. And at that time, a couple of things happened. If you, you, you can correct me on this. At Christmas, the retail stores in Dublin were closed. Do you remember? Yeah. Around the busiest weekend of the year as a result of a yellow weather warning. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. Yeah. And when we discussed it, you also mentioned that on your side of Grafton Street, there was roadworks. Oh, yeah. We had the paving in front of the... So it was two types of paving. Uh, there was one by the council and one by someone else. So uh, I was serving customers and we had yellow plastic boards um, and that's how they walked into the retail store. Me with the cream carpet. Yeah, that was... <laughs> and I thought that was big at the time until we had what was to come. But yeah, yeah. that was... Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was the challenge. And that conversation kind of centred around basically the challenges in retail. Yeah, and at that time, you know, as well, I would have... We had one store and I was always very happy with that and developing online. But then we we did... Did a two, eighteen month stint in Ireland as part of a larger department store, so and we just closed that then um, to focus on online. So yeah, I think um, it's all about trying new things. But at that time, uh, yeah, retail was definitely still very like up and down in in terms of. I think at that time people were very much pick one or the other. Whereas now, obviously, I mean, I knew at the time I, I never felt that, that that was the right thing for us. But it was a real like, is it retail or is it online? Yeah, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So before we go there, the objective here is to try and understand what you've learned and the changes that have occurred in that two year period. And it's, yeah. it's obvious we had a pandemic, which I don't yeah. want to dwell on. But there's also, yeah, there's also yeah. other things in your business that have changed. Yeah. So 
For the listeners who may not have listened to the last episode and don't know who you are, yeah. can you give everybody a brief of what you've achieved and what you're running? Yeah, so Lulary is 15 years this year. Um, I am 20 years in the jewellery industry. So I spent five years after college in New York um, working for really large corporate jewellery um, manufacturing and design companies. So that, I was in sales though, um, but that kind of... <sighs> like Game of Thrones kind of internship in New York was really what set me up. We've talked about this, about what you've done and then what skill set that gives you going forward. So uh, that's kind of piqued my interest. But while I was in a very corporate environment, I also was living in New York City and I was in my 20s. So I found these amazing designers that I would buy myself or it just opened my, it like it was like blew open my, my world. I always wanted to work in fashion. So that was kind of my background. I knew I always wanted to work for myself and I knew that I wanted to do something a little bit different. Sliding doors moment, I, as I said, I really wanted to work in fashion, but I ended up in a jewellery internship. So I moved home with the premise of Lutery being really different. There was one particular store in Soho, I can't remember what it was called, and it was almost set up like a, like a gallery for jewellers, but everyone was distinctive and everyone had their own brand name and none of them had I ever seen before. And I thought, wow, that's what I want to make people feel. I want them to be like, oh, wow. So the whole goal of Lulery, it's not an easy path to pick. Um, if you're trying to be different and really unique was to was to do exactly that. So I signed exclusivity deals with everyone and moved home, opened up a really, really small space, can I say, with absolutely no budget because I couldn't get any funding because I was a student. So on as when I went to the banks, yes. they were like, well, sure, you were 21. Weirdly, they'd give me money to go to Australia Australia to live for like three years, but I couldn't get any business loans. Or they'd give you a car loan. Yeah. I was like, I don't want a car. Um, like I couldn't get a credit card machine. Now, your location just off uh, Grafton Street. Yeah, that Is was it Ch Chantham Street? Chatham Street. Yes. Um, how on earth did you get that location? Okay, so because see, it my, is absolutely yeah. perfect. So my brother-in-law found that because they, my, uh, yeah, my, they were in hospitality at the time, and it was a closed barber's, and it was nothing. It, I mean, you would have walked by it and not even seen it. Um, that was another challenge as well. Moving home was trying to find one, so that was total chance. Now I took, and as well, in order to get the lease, I had to take it over as is. It was grim. Like I emptied the hair in the bags from downstairs. Are you serious? No, that's how I took it. Yeah. It's a pure chance, but my God, the blessing. So there was a, probably a six month project before you got the lease to, to moving in, was there? Oh no. To renovate I, it? I think I was, oh no, renovating it. I only got the, like all of that came like really, 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 really last minute. I opened in August. Um, I think I got the keys like barely a month before. Like we're talking, wow. I opened with like no proper sign. I didn't have a credit card machine. Um, I did a lot of it myself, my family, my husband, everybody helped. There was no, I had no money. So. Yeah. Okay. So physical retail. Yeah. So since January, 2020. Yeah. Right. Since the last time we spoke, what are your observations on footfall, customer experience, what customers expect? What's the landscape like right now in that particular area in Dublin? Well, that's a couple of things there. There's no footfall. Okay, like let's call a spade a spade. I see all the figures and everything and any retailer who's like me, um, you know, or anyone, I mean, I have a online business as well, but anyone who's stood on a retail floor, I work, um, especially Christmas as I, I'm around, I'm in town, I'm at meetings. I'm there like 6am on a Sunday getting the painters in or there isn't footfall, okay? When I was in college, I used to work in uh, retail. There was the same flow, the same pattern. That's not there. I used to see 
at about 12 o'clock, we'd all have to come back from our lunch. There'd be a sea of people, like an actual sea, especially Chatham Street, because you're getting around by the back of the gaiety. It's the top of Brown Thomas Car Park. That isn't there. So um, I'm not going to lie, there were some really scary days, especially when it was in lockdown. Town had a very eerie feel. However... I will say that I'm all about being positive. I think people now are coming into town for an experience. So the sea of people is gone, but people who are coming in, like in our, in the store, they're shopping, they're buying, they know what they want, but what they want is completely different. Like I, we're always looking at improving the the fit. We actually changed the fit of the store in COVID because I was like, right, well, for social distancing, that was a massive challenge because my store is so small. So I ripped it all out and actually we put all the cabinets around the outside so that there was more space in the middle. And um, now I would give up retail display space for experience. Uh, people want to feel special. It's not about transactional. That's gone. Even if you're buying a coffee, that's not transactional. I think the experience and the the warmth and your window and from the outset, you have to be really special to get people in your store now. So does that pose expense then as a retailer? Because then you have to spend more time and thought into fitting out your store. Is that logical? Um, it's logical, but like, again, I'm, I always get, take the negative and turn it into a positive. Like starting back to where I was, I had no money. I don't even remember what I put in my, my window in the beginning. You can do an awful lot with very little. Like you can cut out flowers or you can do, just excite people by your window. I think that's really big. Yes, of course, nobody needed those charges when we, you know, and, and extra bills of putting all like screens and those things in. Of course, there's expense if you're changing fit out. But what I'm saying is, is that, for omni-channel, for me, I've seen the improvement in the experience by actually focusing more on, okay, how can I make this a nicer shop to shop in rather than how many products can I put on the floor? We've always been about edit anyway, but I think it's how you approach it. What do you want your customer to feel as opposed to what can I sell? Okay, a very simple question. In the old days, yeah. uh, Thursday night shopping was a big oh, thing. I loved Thursday yes. nights in town. Half the men in Ireland would drive their wives to car parks while the women yeah. went in and shopped. Yeah. Oh, it's just great, yeah. Um, I assume that's gone now. Yeah, we don't open late nights Thursdays anymore. Um, Thursday nights, we used to be like a big thing, even when I worked in retail. Um, I worked for Louise Kennedy and Brian Thomas. And there was a bit, you saw it in town. But that's gone, but it's not, it doesn't mean to say there isn't people around. And like Sundays have really come back. We open Sundays now. So the thing is, there's no point focusing on what's gone and what's changed. You just have to look at what is there. Like even we close on a fo- at five o'clock now on, on a Tuesday and Wednesday. I don't open Mondays. Many of the businesses don't open Mondays after COVID. That's a real positive. Why? Okay, I'm sorry if you can't shop with me on a Monday, but it means for me, I'm running the business from what I have and from the team. My staff get two days off. Um, you know, my manager is off. Online is always busy on a Monday. So actually, that's a good effective thing. And if we're all closed on a Monday or if a little group of you are, it's not about trying to spread yourself too thin. I don't think people understand that when you when you have a business and it's, it's not just retail, restaurants, bars, whatever, it's really, really hard to do that seven days a week. Yeah. So some changes have come in and actually are, they, they've totally. had a positive effect. Well, yeah, you're running it more effectively <clears throat> rather than trying to spread yourself so thin and trying to be everything to everybody. Okay, thanks, Louise. Just one second and we'll just hear from our sponsors. 
Rewind.io is the leading data backup solution for your Shopify store. Did you know that there is no way of recovering lost data in Shopify? If your store is gaining traction, you may have multiple staff or third-party developers entering your store. Mistakes can happen and data can be easily deleted. Rewind.io puts you in control of your data, allowing you to restore anything accidentally lost from a single image to an entire store. It acts as a pretty cheap insurance policy for your Shopify account. At Milkbottle, we help clients reduce their business risk by installing Rewind in every single store before we make any changes. Get your first month for free by simply replying to your sign-up email. So that's the physical retail, okay? In terms of online, (laughs) okay? (laughs) Is it correct to say that you, like many other Mm -hmm. uh, retailers that are, you know, on the Omnichannel, which is selling both uh, bricks and mortar and online, that you probably depended on it more over the past two years than you ever thought you would? Oh, it's, I never thought we laughed about this when you, I remember sitting down with Peter um, and putting my goal for like where I get to online. And I was like, guys, I know this is crazy. And like we surpassed that. And I don't even remember it. We didn't even, we probably touched that in a couple of months. So yeah, it's online was not, it was a lifeline. It's, it was, it was, it was the, the lifeline. In fact, when that announcement was made, um, I found that very emotional and I was scared. And um, what we did was, it was actually my husband, in fairness, he, he had lost um, his businesses in, in, in hospitality back in recession. So he turned to me and was like, okay, right, you've got one chance. We're getting in the car. Now, my son tells everyone we went in and robbed mommy's shop. That's not what we did. We took the stock. I took an Ikea shelves and I gave myself the goal to sell enough to keep everybody in, that, in my full-time, um, you know, employed. Um and what I will say is, I think I knew if we were first out of the trap, you know, like in a race. But the other thing is that, you know, we put in the groundwork, Keith. I wasn't building a site. I was ready. I'd made all the mistakes. You know, there's loads and loads and loads that goes into online. And as you know, I laugh at myself whenever I talk about this because, you know, I haven't a clue about anything digital. I certainly you, didn't You then. know more than you give I, yourself no, credit for. But it's scary. I learned it on that. That's not the way I would say I would want to learn a business. Yeah. Um, but you know what? For anyone out there you're always afraid of doing something in case you fail or, you know, it's not comfortable going into, like, I, I'm one of those, okay, well, I, I did this, so I know how to do that. I didn't have the experience, but you know what? I tried it and I built it. So my my learning for that was, if you have any kind of business, you just need a couple of different facets to it. You can't depend on all, on, on all one. So we had really, online had been growing extremely steadily. So credit where credit is due, because... You had invested in online yes. well before you know, yeah. February 2019. And the way I phrase it to people is, is that COVID did actually reward mm. businesses that had invested in online. Because prior to COVID, the majority of retail businesses that we would have spoken to would have viewed the investment needed to build the online store as a cost center. Yeah. And COVID proved to people that it was actually a profit center. So we actually kind of, I think fought is the wrong word, but like debated with people. And um, we would have spoken to some of the biggest retailers in Ireland, uh, you know, independent mm. retailers. And we, we walked away from a lot of conversations because you're knocking your head against the wall. Yeah. But credit where credit is due, you know. The other point is, is that you, like a lot of other foresightful, clever business people realized very early on that online had to be part of your strategy. So, you know, I'll say it a third time, credit where credit is due. So I don't think you were lucky that that was the case. That was part of your business. I mean, you planned all that and you'd been working with us for years prior to COVID. So basically what you're saying is, is that you just took your stock to your house and you packed from the house. Yeah. 
But yeah, I think there's a lot of points what you said there. And it was scary. And I remember sitting down with accounts meetings and it, it, it doesn't give that immediate return. And and you know me, yeah. I am a nightmare. I'm like, okay, this is the investment. What's the return? And I'm like, when, 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 when? Like, remember when we were talking back in January, I was like, yes. hey, what about those figures you told me about in January? You're like, yeah. hang on. Yeah. But that's who I am. And I'm an entrepreneur and I want yeah. to see results. But had we not made those investments, I mean, people don't know this, but we were on, what were we on, our sixth or seventh site by that time? Maybe at least five different five. iterations of five, it. Yeah. But the other thing was we had grown social as well. You see, there's all the little bits that go hand in hand. And the fact that the other key we have to talk about it is it, there's lots of different things about online, but Shopify runs from your phone. Like the world didn't know where this was being run from. And the fact that like there were days when I would be packing and all my team were working from home and my manager, thankfully, Tanya was an absolute saint and she was within my two kilometres. You wouldn't believe the stuff we had to do, like cycle on bikes and collect DHL. And I mean, my son had a DHL birthday cake. I don't think I need to say that. And a big shout out to Paul from DHL because he was my lifeline, my drive. He was incredible. So I would be running up and down the stairs, bringing a package out and then getting a text from Mary who was handling the customer service. I think she was in sore. No, she was like, Malhydra's words and she'd be like oh no um, that, that doesn't need to go to Cork you need to change the label and I'd run back upstairs I wouldn't have been able to do that had I not had the visibility in Shopify The amount of businesses and also the amount of end users that are receiving packages for example if we order, yeah. if we order something off Lillery that have built up a personal relationship with their local delivery guys oh. Nothing short of phenomenal. Yeah. Uh, and a lot of people don't realise that uh, with DPD and with Fastway, for example, they're franchises. Yeah. The guy driving the van is usually the guy that actually owns that area. Yeah. Um, I think that's a wonderful positive. Yeah. Wonderful positive. We could not. So, so when we talk about like the success or the acceleration of online, there's a number of factors. DHL were partnered with us from the beginning. We had always had an international kind of relationship with them because I was in New York. We'd always had that international business. Um. Our, our exports weren't as big, but they knew, uh, you know, that our, our, our sort of national business was big. So we had that. Plus we had the social, which we were really, really heavily focused on. Plus we had Shopify. So when you align those three, it was it was a, a kind of fortunate mix. So just go back to the social. Oh, yeah. um, you were an early adopter of, of yeah. was it, it was it Instagram, Instagram was yeah. your main channel? Yeah, yeah. It was Instagram. I think, again, it was Instagram, Twitter, Pinterest. YouTube, all those things. But, you know, for anyone out there, and it's really frustrating for entrepreneurs and for small business owners. And by small, I hate using that word even because it doesn't mean small. We've just no, talked about that. Yeah. I'm talking about independence or whatever. You don't have an awful lot of time, so you have to pick one. We picked one and did it really well. It also really worked for our business at the time. That's kind of where I'm. This, my strength is at. So, um, yeah, Instagram worked really, really well. So, again, uh, there was lots of changes in my business and actually my social media manager left. Um, so I ended up doing it and then I had a girl helping me. But um, yeah, what we would do is I would ship Monday to Thursday and on Fridays I would have to put my makeup on, get out of my sweatpants <laughs> and go and film myself in my back garden in the front. My neighbour thinks I'm bonkers. But, you know, to show how an earring is or a necklace or whatever, and just to be clear on, on the social as well, I was extremely aware we were in a global pandemic. So no one needed jewellery, you know, and I felt really conflicted about that because here I am like, oh, buy this, buy this. But what I realised is our gift business was was what really kept us going. Yeah. And people still had, like there was very sad things happened, um, you know, um, really tragic things. People weren't able to see their family, friends, loads of different things. And that's where we came in as a service. And one really, really important thing that we had, which again was enabled by Shopify. And then we just put the Lulary stamp on it by making it a little bit special. And by the way, I do not love doing this, 
I will never. I, I had to write all those notes, and everyone knows and I'm the worst writing. You, ha- you, you we hand wrote the notes. You hand so, wrote, thank you. Not, so, like, if somebody had a sister in Australia they haven't seen, we could put that note in. But all my team cry laughing. I have the worst handwriting. My my daughter is better legible handwriting. So all those like little kind of small. You, you you can still have an impactful, independent human feeling for an online business. But so, I don't want to write the notes anymore. <laughs> yeah, the psychological effect of success during the pandemic yeah. is something that I've read quite a bit about. Mm-hmm. And you're not the only one. Actually, thanks for raising it. Yeah. Because it is something that a lot of people wouldn't necessarily talk about. Yeah. But what you're really saying is you in, in some ways you are also a lifeline to some people in terms of the gifting and the, the experience. Yeah, like we solved a problem for people like anniversaries and all of these things. But I was conflicted as well about pushing it and doing it on social because people were dying and there was people out there trying to come up with, you know, vaccines. So I was very aware that what I was doing was not massively important. However, I had bills to pay and staff to keep on board and I did. So I had to do what I had to do. I suppose the other point I'd make as well is is that the truth about the world is is that it doesn't matter how bad things get. Mm. People will still be buying you know, leisure wear that they don't need. Yeah, you know, true. people will still be buying gifts. So yeah. that's the reality of the world that we live in, I guess. Yeah, and I hope we spread a little bit of joy and I think we did and we got some lovely feedback and I think people felt they could treat themselves. So yeah, I think, I just, I think that was, to be clear, it was just I wanted to give context that I knew I wasn't doing the most important thing, but I was trying to do what we were doing the best we could to maybe help people out in some way. So in terms of the the team that you had prior to the pandemic, has the team stayed consistent or has it grown in any way? Or are you, let's say, the manpower in the store, in the physical store? You're back up to where you were in 2019. Yeah, yeah, we are back there. Um, so there would have been changes, weirdly, because with COVID, we had just closed a second store. So we were kind of in a period of change anyway. And then COVID happened. So we had a skeleton team actually um, for COVID because <laughs> who knew that was coming? Um, certainly not me. So yeah, now what we have is the store is back up, but it's run differently. As I say, I run the store. Well, I don't run it. Tanya, my manager is there. Really, I am not there all the time. Um I spread my time between both businesses, but I have an online team now and that's really um, strong as well. But again, we have kept the same, like some of the part-timers, you know, have been with me like a couple of years. Um, my accounts manager, Lily, has been with me eight years. My store manager is five years. So, um, and a lot of the, it was very organic. Like literally as we came out of the first lockdown, I I said to Erica, who has just finished her degree, hey, do you want to come in and like help me with online fulfillment? And now she's actually our e-commerce manager, you know, and she's about to go off and embark on her new career as freelance. Um, so it's been really great for me to kind of see people in that journey. And then people that say had finished up part-time, and then I opened an online office. I was like, hey, how do you how do you fancy coming in here? So, yeah, yeah it, it's been really nice to have to get back on your feet, I suppose. Yeah. So, Louise, um, before we go, are you enjoying the business now similar to the way you would have enjoyed it two or three years ago? Or are you always thinking of the next thing? By nature, I'm always thinking of the next thing. I think my team would always say, even when we're in a meeting, they're like, we're just talking about this thing. Because I'm like, hey, so when we finish this, what about the next thing? That is my nature. I'm in a creative business next season. What are we doing? What are we doing? Enjoying it. Yes, I enjoy a couple of things that have been really great. One thing is I trust myself and my gut a lot better because before the pandemic, I, you you know this as having a business, you take advice from people, you're not sure what to do. Well, guess what? There was no guidebooks. And you, and you got it right. Like there was no one. Yeah. There wasn't like, hey, can I book in a session on how to grow through this? 
might I say there was a lot of people talking on the, on the national airwaves, but they were they certainly weren't experts. Well, and I found that I was like, hang on a second, I'm sitting in my sweatpants, packing these packages, doing this. And I realized, so what I'm enjoying is I don't listen to the noise anymore. You got to do what works for you in your own business and trust your own gut. So I enjoy that. I almost feel like it gave me a clearer sense of the direction I want my business to go in and a much more of a confidence. Do I enjoy it? There are parts of my business that I massively enjoy. There are parts of my business that are still as stressful, if not more. Because as I said to you, okay, I was like, yay, sat down in January and I'm like, what, 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 what energy crisis? Yeah. Like, you're just like, seriously, I actually put up these quotes sometimes on Instagram. It's like getting into a boxing ring every day and you're like, okay, right, what's next? Yeah. However, you can be ready for it now. You know? and, and also your business has scaled significantly as well. So it's natural that you have more pressures. <laughs> well, yeah, that's, you don't get everything, yeah. you know, but I think I have learned now that you can't be good at everything all at the same time. You can have it all, but just not all at the same time. Yeah, perfect. Um, so before we pressed record, right? <laughs> yeah. The two of us had a very interesting conversation about our backgrounds. Yeah. Okay. And um, I firmly believe that the e-commerce market is changing now every 12 weeks. There's a new platform. There's changes. Shopify are pushing out that many updates to the platform. They, they don't even have the capability to notify the users. We've got TikTok right now. Yeah. In six months time, what other social channel are we going to have? So I don't think there's any school that you can go to other than the mm-hmm. school of your own school, which is actually setting up the business and learning it. Right. Yeah. And I know that you've done that. So if you were to give anybody a nugget of advice that was thinking of trying to follow, what would you say to them? I don't know, because you and I talked about this. I never felt ready. I always felt, oh, well, you know, I, I, I there nothing in my background le- would lead you to be like, well, this qualifies you. I think that's the whole point. I think we have to move away from this very passive, go through school and get this degree and then go and do this job, you know, without actually thinking, do I want this? Is this for me? Does this suit my skill set? Um, and I really do think, you know, it is on the job learning. There's absolutely no book or no degree that qualified anybody to get through what they got through. So I think, if anything, if we could grow more entrepreneurs, more resilient people, um, I think we would have a stronger economy because I think resilience uh, is what will get us through. Um, and I think if we could have a stronger entrepreneurial you know, uh, which we have loads and loads of committees and there's loads of amazing um, initiatives out there. But if we we also need to bring in failure into that discussion, we need to bring in a, a stop the fear of failure. Okay, you might know what you're doing, you may mess up. Okay, we'll move on. Let's try it again. I think that has to become part of it because I think if we have a more resilient uh, workforce, then we will have a better economy. Very good advice, Louise. And um I don't know whether I'll take you back in a third time. <laughs> no, I think you're done. I think we've covered everything. Although maybe the conversation we had before the mic came on. Could yeah, be no, 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 that, that's a private conversation. Yeah. Um, Louise, it, look, it's, it's always a pleasure to meet. But, but Thank thanks you. very much for giving us that update. Um, an absolute pleasure to have you. Yeah, and thank you for everything that, that you did and how you supported um, me and my team through a really tough time. No problem, our pleasure. Thanks again. Thank you. Thanks for listening. All of our episodes are available on Spotify, iTunes and Google Podcasts. 
A special note of appreciation goes to our sponsors, Rewind.io, the leading backup solution for Shopify store owners. Get your first month of Rewind for free by simply responding to any welcome email once you sign up for your free trial on Rewind.io. If you're a Shopify user with an exciting story to tell, reach out to the team on podcast at milkbottlelabs.com. Until the next time, take care.